Trump and the GOP just did the unthinkable, a flawless RNC convention, and Trump gave an amazing speech. That, along with rioters, is polarizing a base that Trump is going to benefit from in the long run. It's the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. Well, the RNC convention is over, and all I can say is, man, did they pull that off. It was amazing. I'm not used to that from the GOP. I'm used to them doing a half-assed job and a a limp-wristed attempt. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You know, there is a culmination of forces coming together at the same time that I don't think anybody really foresaw or they didn't understand the unintended consequences of it. And they don't realize what's at play. So, and this has been going on for this entire year. The American people are not just autonomous uh, sheep. There are some, but we're not just a bunch of people that are just going to go lockstep with whatever plan. If you're going to say, if we do plan A, then the people will do this, and then we can do plan B, and the people will do this, and this will be the result. We're not that formulaic. And we love freedom. So when you start this pandemic, you know, you start locking down the nation over something that's as little as a flu. I had two coworkers who were scared to death the entire time that this was coming. And then after, then they got it. And then afterwards they were like, ah, I, it was nothing. I had a headache and felt kind of bad for a couple of days. And that was it. You know, I, another one said, oh, I just couldn't taste anything. I don't know why we're shutting everything. And that is the reality. Now, there are some people that did die from it. So I'm not taking the severity out of it. And I'm not going to minimize their deaths. But you should have never locked down the state. Should have never locked down the economy. Whatever the case may be. But that was the attempt. Let's lock down the nation. And then the economy will go bad. And then what's the formula? They'll all vote for Biden. And then we'll just have this virtual Zoom meeting convention, and then they'll have to do a Zoom meeting convention, and we'll underscore what everyone is thinking right now and how bad everything is and say, we just need to get rid of Trump and everything will be good. Oh, and then we'll support the people running through the streets, burning cities down, shooting at people, toppling statues, throwing bricks, well-placed, strategically placed pallets of bricks and And we'll just say, you know, this is Trump's America. Maybe it'll go away if you vote for him. Although we're not that formulaic. And so the perfect storm that's coming really favors Donald Trump, especially after that speech last night. I myself am now MAGA, okay? (laughs) I am full on behind this guy. His son, Don Jr., that guy can rattle off conservatism like... Like some of the people that I look towards that are stalwarts of the conservative movement. I would have never guessed that from him. I mean, Eric Trump, he actually made a really good case for American exceptionalism with his speech. And if Ivanka wasn't married to Jared Kushner and didn't have such a leftist worldview, her speech was outstanding. Her de- and I'm not, I'm not talking about what she talked about. I'm talking more about her delivery. Her delivery was excellent. Whatever you think about her politics, I mean, she's hot, but, you know, she's fine. 
Um, regardless of that, she made eye contact and was barely touching the teleprompter. I mean, it, it, you know, some people, it's like they've got to stick to the teleprompter. I mean, I like Rudy Giuliani. I think he kind of did a little bit. But she was natural up there. And you need that. Now, Trump <laughs> took it to a whole nother level. And I actually made the case that I thought he was going to be somewhat teleprompterish, but somewhat, you know, a foot in both lands. He's going to have that measured speech that the teleprompter reins him in on, but they're going to leave it open for a little bit of stepping into rally land. And he did that, which he needed to. This entire week did a lot of things. It first humanized the uh, Donald Trump, which the media has been hiding Trump away to the point where he can only humanize himself or make points through Twitter because everything's filtered through BS, through a giant Instagram BS filter. But with the media having to get out of the way, although they tried not to, I mean, they tried to talk all over top of it with their fact-checking on, on cable news channels, but notice the numbers. The numbers showed that, oddly enough, and people were trying to figure it out, Cable news ratings were down on the speeches, but the streaming ratings were through the roof. Why do you think that is? It's because we didn't want to hear their talking BS stepping all over top, rudely interrupting the speeches we're trying to watch. I watched it on the first, and I didn't have one commentator pop in with any sort of just delusional, left-wing, out-of-the-blue, second-universe garbage. But... Trump needed to be able to humanize himself, but he did something else. Now, this is the thing. If you remember, I'm a Cruz guy, and there was a lot of never-Trumpers who, when I was first on Twitter back in 2008, 2009, and we all started finding liked-mind individuals who were pushing for the Tea Party movement in 2010, 2011, and we were all united, and then... When Mitt Romney lost, we were still together. And it wasn't until 2015, 2016, the primaries, suddenly some of these accounts split off and followed Trump. Some split off, followed Marco Rubio. Some split off and followed Cruz, like myself. And it was sad because some of these people I had great conversations with, and then now they were so in the camp that, you, you know, they didn't want to have a conversation and, and discuss why I would back Cruz and you would back Trump. But we got Trump and the whole time I'm thinking he's just, you know, it's a vanity play bucket list. I want to be president. I've done everything else. And then if he gets in office, he's going to start running big government programs and be like a Teddy Roosevelt or a, like a Republican FDR. And that didn't happen. And so we started getting tax cuts and we've got, we got things like the embassy moved to Jerusalem, which I think, and I'm going to get into this in a moment because I think it's also something in play that no one talks about with the convention. Biblically, God wants us to do these things. And when we do what God wants us to do, he blesses us and he moves us in the right direction. I'm not trying to get biblical on you, but I'm just telling you from a Christian view, it's go to the go to judges, you know, go to the, the Old Testament when they weren't. Worshiping golden calves, they didn't have things, you know, like plagues and, and uh, famine and all that coming down on them. Now, they went through trying times, but the Lord blessed their, their land. 
and you know, some said that there was a lot of, uh, you know, think about Jonathan Kahn talking about the harbinger with nine 11 and how the reactions to, and what we did in nine 11 mirrored what happened when Babylon, uh, or the Babylonians, uh, uh raided Israel. I, I think that was his, how he, uh, or the Assyrians, how, how he lined up what the, the Gazette stone, uh, speaking, uh, condemning the nation with, with scripture that they thought meant that we were going to get back up, but it was actually a condemnation and it had to be read from, you know, a position of power to really put things in motion, that kind of stuff. So I think we moved the embassy to, to Jerusalem. God blessed us. Um, I think, you know, we started getting districts, ju- judicial districts were being flipped. We started getting judges everywhere. Now, we did get things like, you know, bump stock bans and uh, uh, big government spending things that made me kind of go, come on, Trump, don't do that. And we also got things like a Brett Kavanaugh, which I could go back and forth on. But, and maybe we'll cover this, what he did recently to kneecap George Soros in the open society, which no one is talking about. I have to go, hey. At least you're not, you know, at least you're not John Roberts, who basically turned Oklahoma into an Indian reservation. I mean, but so we got a lot of good things and we got some questionable things. And that made me, you know, move more towards Trump and support him, but still be a little apprehensive. Not after that speech and not after that convention. They knocked it out of the park. They did some things that I wanted them to do. Humanize Trump, put him in front of a crowd in the middle of the pandemic, which they did, of course, you know, the White House lawn starts setting up with the chairs and everybody's like, oh, he doesn't, he's not social distancing. They're not wearing masks. Blah, 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 you know, that kind of garbage. Um, he had to have that back and forth energy that he gets at the rallies. Now, what was really good about the convention, you know, the left was, was going on and on about the star power. Oh, we got Billy English, who looks like, or I guess it's her name who looked like she was smacked out on heroin going, yeah, guys, you need to vote for Biden and because we need to get Trump out of here. She was smacked on her on. Well, they had her and, you know, they had the guy with the cape singing the, you know, protest song. Something happened. What's that sound? Everybody, whatever. And they kept mocking the GOP lineup. Oh, look, we got all these stars. And what do y'all got? Scott Bayo and, you know, Dean Kane or whatever. Well, the lineup that the GOP had was everyday people and some people that were directly affected. They had the, the guy who protested the segregation by sitting at the Woolworths counter to get coffee. They had him speak. I mean, they had a football player. Um, I think his name was Joe. I can't remember. The guy just laid it all out. Um, he, they had black people up there speaking, and they were speaking earnestly about how uh, how Trump wasn't a racist. And, and then the thing about it is it wasn't about Trump. It was about America. It was about American exceptionalism. It was about freedom. It was about um, taking in anyone who wanted to be on the team and who wanted to be a part of America's success. And that's what I thought was really amazing because I thought Trump was going to make it all about him. And they they showed the policies, uh, how, you know, everyone uh, that got up there showed how the policies that Trump pushed through, how it directly affected them in some sort of way. 
and how we should support them because we're going to get more of that. But at the end of the day, Trump made the case that I'm up here fighting for you. It's not about me. He and he earnestly loves the country enough to go, I want us to succeed. And that's a, that's a management style. I know when I you know worked uh, in, in business management, overseeing a couple uh, stores uh, as a district manager, that's what you do. You share the vision. You understand. And now this, this is a business CEO kind of s- statement, but at the same time, we put the president there, so the president should listen to us, but you share the vision. You don't sit there and go, I'm going to get us here and we're, you know, and you kind of just get the benefits of it and we'll have us all, you know, profit off of the back of America over here. That's the way it's been going for a long time. And I think the RNC contrasted itself with the doom and gloom of the DNC. And now I get back to the spiritual side of it. They opened in prayer. They openly talked about God, how God intervened. What's her name? Kaylee uh, Muller, the, uh, the girl who was assassinated or killed by ISIS, who was uh, taken hostage by ISIS. Her parents reading the letter about how she found God and how God was getting her through. You know, those things, I, I really wonder if that's part of the reason why it went off without a hitch, that God blessed it. And, I mean, it went off without a hitch. That never happens with the GOP. They always screw it up. It was beautifully done. The speakers were really, you know, they were connecting, which I didn't see any of that with the, DN- the DNC Zoom calls. It was so sterile and just lacking energy, and it was just, it was lame, but we didn't get that from the, D, from the RNC. I, I didn't know how they were going to pull off having a video convention for the most part and having energy. But they did. And they had a lot of great speakers. I, I mean, you know, Deputy Dorn's wife, you know, he was the uh, police officer that was killed. The black guy where in the video, the, uh, a friend of his sees him. He's like, come on, OG. Come on, OG. I mean, I watched that video numerous times and it just crushed me every time. Um, She gave an amazing uh, account. And you've got all this going on, but then you've also got the contrast to it, along with the DNC's contrast of a limp, (laughs) flaccid Zoom call convention. You have, and, and Joe Biden, who can't even remember the name of the individual who uh, uh, was shot seven times there in Wisconsin, you've got these cities on fire. You've got these Antifa people being bust in and attacking people. They went after Rand Paul, you know, after he was leaving the, uh, the convention. Apparently they went after Dan Bongino. They went after, um, they went after Brian Mast. He's a U.S. combat veteran. And he's a, a, con- a congressman. He has prosthetics from combat. And they went after him. Listen to this. What brings you out here tonight? What's that? What brings you out here tonight? Walking to my hotel. Really? Yep. Did you attend? Uh, I sure thing? did. You it was did. a great time. Did you enjoy the fireworks? The fireworks, I thought, were outstanding. What do you make of all these protests? 
everybody has their right to protest. That's a beautiful thing. You not? You not afraid for your safety? No. Should I be? What do you think about police killing black people in this country? Don't worry, we're gonna vote. What Good, do you, you think about vote. police killing black people in this country? I don't think anybody should get killed wrongfully. What do you that think about police killing black people right in this country? Process, Answer right? the question that I am asking you. How do you feel about abolition? No, <laughs> answer the question. How do you feel about police killing black people in this country, in this city? Anybody's right to due process. How do you feel about the police killing or wrong to take anybody's rights? That's that all lives matter. Black people. But they haven't taken Do you feel about police murdering black people? Anybody murdered is wrong. Anybody. How do you feel about black people in the question? Black people. Black people. Anybody. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Then they went after a man. I don't know who this is. A man and his wife. Um, this is from Philip Nieto's uh, Twitter feed. Um, they're going back to their hotel and they're being mobbed. Listen to this. Sir, you just came back from uh, the president's RNC speech. in D.C. that are cut from the same cloth of the people that were burning Wisconsin down. And what they're doing, and Chris Cuomo and uh, uh, Don Lemon, they know this. They're seeing the internal polling, which is the sick part. They're supporting, the media is supporting all of these rioters. And now they don't realize they're building a new Trump base. They're adding. All right, so here, here's the thing. You've got people like myself who were cruise people. Yeah, we're, some of us were going to vote for Trump. Some of us may still not, but we are fine with him being in office to be a wedge. Um, they're all now going over and voting for Trump. They're all backing Trump. They're all getting MAGA. I mean, a good friend of mine, uh, who does a KL, KLRN um, streaming radio. He was a never Trumper. He said he would walk through broken glass to vote for him. Look at this, David Marcus. I hated the idea of Trump as president. The Wall Street Journal called me a prominent never Trumper in 2016. I was. I am now very thankful he is our president and I hope voters give him four more years. Yeah, that's a New York correspondent for the Federalist. David Marcus. Glenn Beck actually came out and said that he is supporting Donald Trump. So you've got the never Trump wing who is more towards the Cruz side. They're going to vote Trump. And then now they're building another Trump base to add to it. 
of former Democrats who are fed up with the situation. I mean, listen to this. Well, listen to this lady on C-SPAN because she she's a Democrat from Minnesota and she is losing it. And she saw the convention and it gave her hope. And she I mean, it just let her let me let you hear what she had to say about it. Um, I'm a Democrat and our convention last week uh, uh, is no comparison to what I've seen in just the last two nights. What do you mean? I'm from Minnesota where all these riots and looting and the burning started. And I, I mean, not a mention about us last week, about saving our communities, helping our homeless, rebuilding our businesses. And this convention just in the last two nights has has awakened me that there is hope that there are people that are willing to fight for us people in our communities. Barb, are you and in the are you in the Twin Cities area or outside? In the, in the Twin Cities. And uh, right outside the Twin Cities. Has some of the protests have they frightened you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. They've been, you know, 7 miles away with a a new um, John Johnson of our party going into a neighborhood with 200 of Black Lives Matter supporters and terrorizing innocent neighbors in a community. It, it is scary. I mean, she sounded like she was just completely hopeless. And then she saw the RNC convention and was like, I'm, I'm voting Trump. You had a lot of black people who were former Democrats. Uh, Vernon, uh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, he supports Trump. He's a, he was a Democrat. <laughs> he spoke at the convention. You have people like this guy. Um, University Avenue, he had a Papa John's restaurant franchise. And they smashed his windows. Listen to this. Trying to get Trump re-elected? Are they trying to get Trump re-elected? Seriously. I got a family to support. I got kids to feed. These people don't represent our movement. Well, I'm sorry. But they're, they're part, they're with you. Yeah, he's like, what are you trying to do, make Trump supporters? They are. And Chris Cuomo gets into it with Don Lemon, and they're frightened now because they know that they're doing that. Listen to Chris Cuomo and, and Don Lemon. You have COVID, and then you have Kenosha, Don. And what's happening in Wisconsin, it's a Rorschach test for where this country is, and I think it probably represents the biggest threat to the Democratic cause. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's Except because that we're reading the... from the same teleprompter, no, and I took I'm your not... line. No, you didn't. That's, not, that's all you. That all says, Chris, this is where I come in. We're, we'll get to that. But when you said it's too little, too late, I don't know about that. I mean, we still have a lot of time left until Election Day, and I do think that... Uh, this what you said was happening in Kenosha is a Rorschach test for the entire country. And I think this is a blind spot for Democrats. I think Democrats are ignoring this problem or hoping that it will go away and it's not going to go away. And so unless someone comes up with a solution over the next 73 days or 70, so however many days, 68 days, 68 days. So it's not going to the problem is not going to be fixed by then. But what they can do, and I think maybe Joe Biden may be afraid to do it. I'm not sure. Maybe he won't. Maybe he is. He's got to address it. He's got to come out and talk about it. He's got to do a speech like Barack Obama did about race. 
He's got to come out and tell people that he is going to deal with the issue of police reform in this country and that what's happening now is happening under Donald Trump's watch and on Donald Trump's watch. And when he is the president, Kamala Harris is the vice president, then they will take care of this problem. But guess what? The rioting has to stop. Chris, as you know and I know, it's showing up in the polling. Mm -hmm. It's showing up in focus groups. It is the only thing, it is the only thing right now that is sticking. And the Democrats tonight stuck with that, right? And they also stuck with the theme that you said. See, they're running scared. They know it's happening and it couldn't happen at a worse time because the pandemic is starting to lose its luster. The convention went off without a hitch and showed hopeful American exceptionalism versus the DNC's crap, gloom, uh, doom and gloom. Everybody's a racist, sexist, xenophobic, uh, homophobe. Uh, we need to get rid of Trump fest, Zoom call. And they're hearing a speech given by a guy who wants to help us and wants to make America greater on the global scale. And on the other side, they're running who, who uh, Rudy Giuliani put it, uh, put it nicely and said, um, don't let Democrats do to America what they have done to New York. Obviously, defective candidate, a man who has changed principles so often he has none. He's a Trojan horse for the left wing. Yeah, we should not be putting in somebody who, listen, he can't even get the difference between Jacob Blake, the guy who was shot seven times, paralyzed by the cop because he was trying to go in, he was resisting arrest and trying to grab a weapon out of his car, and the police didn't know what to do. They had to take him down, versus the kid in Wisconsin who was getting attacked with a skateboard and attacked with another guy with a Glock who was there to help clean up and try to be some sort of a help to the community. Um, he pulls out his gun in self-defense and shoots some, kills two people. One of them was a convicted child sex offender, which for some reason, I've said this a thousand times, this is where it gets spiritual and biblical again. What is the deal with Antifa and Black Lives Matter always being homosexual, always being transsexual, always being uh, perverts and pedophiles? And What is the deal with that? Why are they always screaming and shrieking like they're demon-possessed? Maybe they are. I mean, the, plan, the, the pandemic was all about fear, and we gave into it. That's where it, gets, that's where it starts getting evil. We give into the pandemic with fear. Joe Biden actually gets out there and says, there's, there's no uh, miracle. No miracle's coming. Are you serious? And so the other party... The RNC, earnestly, they're not up there preaching like evangelicals, but they are recognizing God, and it's making a difference. And it's driving the left even crazier, because the left went out of their way. They wouldn't even say it in the, in the pledge. They skipped over <laughs> one nation, indivisible, you know, what, where, where is under God? <laughs> I'm, now I'm not in sync with you uh, reciting the pledge, because you just took it out. Same party that booed God being put in the platform. Uh, they booed it three times, which was biblical back in 2012 at the, at the other convention. I think, there's, I think those things have a spiritual element to them. 
But what they're doing is they're building a bigger Trump base. And it's all happening at a time where when corruption gets exposed, I think the Durham investigation is at least it may not result in convictions, but it's going to expose corruption on levels that we've never seen. Richard Grinnell has has led to that Pam Bondi speech led to that. If that comes out in October, September, it's going to be like the WikiLeaks dump. I mean, and Trump is going to sail on into victory. It'd be nice if we opened up some of the schools, which hopefully we will see. Um, but it, it, they're going to they're running an empty suit on the left with Joe Biden, who confuses the shooter or the guy who got shot by the police with the shooter. Listen to Biden uh, totally botch this. The president uh, has not talked about the shooting of Mr. Blake. He's talked about uh, violence at protesters, uh, protests in the wake of it. Um, I'm wondering why you think that is that he hasn't actually addressed it. There's obviously a lot we do not know about the circumstances around it, but uh, the video obviously has been out there. Well, look, I don't know enough to know whether that 17-year-old kid, uh, exactly what he did, but allegedly he's part of a militia coming out of the state of Illinois. He obviously doesn't know what, what he's talking about. I mean, either he's not listening or he's just completely oblivious. And that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get somebody that is going to uh, move America in a great direction. You're going to get an empty suit and it's not going to be Kamala Harris running the show. It's going to be the deep state. What Donald Trump has done to the GOP, he fundamentally transformed it, but not in the way that I thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to underscore what conservatism looks like, but run a big government uh, administration and everyone goes, oh, that must be what conservatism is and destroy the name of it. What he's done is he's made a party that has Chip Roy, Thomas Massey, Tom Cotton, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. Who, who's now not in with the GOP? The Lincoln Project. You know, if you want Jonah Goldberg and Rick Wilson and some of those guys, uh, if, if they're not, Bill Crystals, if they're going to leave the GOP and support Biden, bye-bye. Don't let, the ho- let, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. All right? Get out. You be out of here like Vladimir. All right? If, if they, there's a report coming out of the 500 GOP uh, politicians and generals, and they're all against Trump. They want to vote. Good. Bye-bye. What was the David Spade thing? This is me. Hi. Bye-bye. This is you. Bye-bye. Because they've purged the part of the party, not all the way, but it's moving that way, that I didn't like in there. <laughs> and they're replacing it with a party of common sense. And the fact that when you hear Don Jr. speak, he can actually articulate what true conservatism is. I have to go, you know what? Four more years, baby. Four more years. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. All right, now let's get into what uh, Justice Kavanaugh did. The Supreme Court of the United States. All right, this was a a court case between Agency for International Development and a few other organizations at all. 
versus Alliance for Open Society International. In the United States' leadership against HIV, AIDS, tuberculosis, and the Malaria Act of 2003, as relevant here, Congress limited the funding of American and foreign non-governmental organizations to those with a policy explicitly opposing prostitution and sex trafficking. 22 U.S.C. 7631. In 2013, that policy requirement, as it was known, was held to be unconstitutional restraint on free speech when applied to American organizations. Agency for International Development versus Alliance for Open Society International, uh, Inc. 570 U.S. 205. Those American organizations now challenge the requirement's constitutionality when applied to their legally distinct foreign affiliates. The district court held that the government was prohibited from enforcing the requirement against foreign affiliates and the Second Circuit affirmed, held, because plaintiffs' foreign affiliates possess no First Amendment rights, applying the policy requirement to them is not constitutional. Two bedrock legal principles led to this conclusion. As a matter of American constitutional law, foreign citizens outside U.S. territories do not possess rights under the United States Constitution. And as a matter of American corporate law, Separately incorporated organizations are separate legal units with distinct legal rights and obligations. That conclusion corresponds to Congress's historical practice of conditioning funding to foreign organizations, which help ensure that U.S. foreign uh, aid serves U.S. interest. Plaintiffs' counterarguments are unpersuasive. First, they claim that being a foreign affiliate's policy statement may be attributed to them. American organizations themselves possess a First Amendment right against the policy's requirements in position on their foreign affiliates. First Amendment cases involving speech misattribution, let me get that right there, Slade, <laughs> between formally distinct speakers, see Hurley versus Irish Americans, gay, lesbian, and bisexual group of Boston, however, are permissed uh, uh, on something missing here. Government compulsion to associate with another entity, even protecting the free speech rights of only those organizations that are closely identified with American organizations would deviate from the fundamental principle that foreign organizations operating abroad do not possess rights under the United States Constitution and enmesh the courts in difficult line-drawing exercises. Second, plaintiffs assert that the court's 2013 decision encompassed both American organizations and their foreign affiliates. That decision did not facilitate or did not facially invalidate the act's funding condition, suggesting that the First Amendment requires the government to exempt plaintiffs, foreign affiliates, and other foreign organizations from the policy requirement to purport to override longstanding constitutional law and corporate principles. Kavanaugh delivered the opinion of the court in which Roberts and uh, Thomas Alito and Gorsuch, they all joined Thomas filed a uh, concurring opinion. Breyer filed a dissenting opinion in which Ginsburg Sotomayor and, uh, and others joined in Kagan took no part in the consideration or the decision for this case. So basically to boil this all down, they ruled that any organization affiliated to the open society will lose protection of the First Amendment and can be treated as international threats. I mean, 
And that's actually something that the opinion was written by Kavanaugh. And that's the thing. Open society is George Soros. It's his organization. And they're the ones funding Black Lives Matter, Antifa, you know, the, the Tides Foundation and Thousand Currents. They're all funding these uh, organizations too. But now, if they can be caught funding these organizations, well, then those organizations all become international threats. And organizations that George Soros is involved with would be an international threat. So, you know, say Soros wants U.S. federal funds for fighting AIDS and it go to help uh, prostitutes, and the U.S. says, no, we have a rule that you must condemn prostitution abroad. Soros says that it's against his First Amendment rights. The Supreme Court says, in this case, he has no First Amendment rights. And the Supreme Court affirmed that the foreign citizens outside U.S. territory do not possess rights under the U.S. Constitution. So it's kind of funny that Trump's appointment of Kavanaugh resulted in Soros getting capped at the knees. So another win for America put there by our shield, our wedge and defender, President Trump. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to the podcast on any podcast platform available. You can listen to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, uh, Overcast, wherever podcasts are held. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a good review. It's going to help us be more visible on the podcast platforms. You can also find us on the Roku channel. Uh, look for the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store. And also donate, anchor.fm. You can leave us a message at, uh, you know, at anchor.fm if you'd like to be on the program. And we'll see you guys next time. God bless. God bless.